Well, the people I'm debating are the, are the ISIS types, are the white supremacists, are the, the worst of the, these communities, and they're often driven by ego. Joseph Cohen runs the YouTube channel Israel Advocacy Movement, which films debates about Israel. Why are you smiling at the slaughter of six million Jews? Why didn't your God save your people? Why are you smiling at the slaughter of your God save your Why are you smiling when you say this? Why did, Does it why make did, you happy that six why, million Jews were killed? You come to my country two months ago, yeah? We catch Jews in my country, in Tripoli. They come there telling Libyans, you know what they're telling them? Ah, this country belongs to Jews. I've been very blessed that the videos have reached millions of people. Hello, Joseph. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's um, great to be here. Yeah, can we? Yeah, let's just get straight into it. Do you want to explain what you what you do? So, I run an organization called the Israel Advocacy Movement, and we try to reach people that are really hostile towards the Jewish people and change their mind, try and turn them, de-radicalize them, or at the very least, um, connect with audiences and show them answers to some of the or how to deal with some of the threats that we face as a community. Have you ever succeeded? Many, many times. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, I've, been, I've been very blessed that the videos have reached millions of people. So there's not a day goes by where I don't get inundated by people thanking me for the work that we're doing and probably an equal number of death threats as well. So it's <laughs> balances out, doesn't it? exactly do you want to explain how you were trying to spread this message okay so um i maybe give a little bit of context as well so i've been engaging people um on the streets at protests in religious settings for many many years and i figured in the interfaith world so jewish muslim relations jewish christian relations there are lots of people speaking um, to the nice people, um, so at an interfaith, you'll tend to have very evangel tend to have very well-meaning Christians, Jews, Muslims who already have made up their minds. We love each other; it's great. Meanwhile, the guy who's going to strap a bomb to himself and blow our people up, no one's speaking to him. So I decided I wanted to reach these people and see if I can either convert them to a different way of thinking or at the very least, connect with the people that they're trying to influence and change their perceptions. So it's largely producing video content. I've been doing this for many years. And one of the things I quickly realized, and I actually learned it off in, in Islam, you have a concept called Dawah. Dawah is calling people to Islam. It's their version of Kirov, except while ours is inwards, theirs is outwards. And what do, what do you mean by that? Um, so with Kirov, we try to Makarov Jews. We try to bring Jews back to Judaism, but we don't try to convince other people to abandon their faith and join ours. We're quite content with people living their lives, being good people. And if they choose to convert to Judaism as well, top, welcome to the club. But we don't go looking for recruits. It's where we're not an evangelizing faith. And what the Dawa, the Dai would do, he would go out on the streets of the UK and hand out literature, speak to people, try to convince them that his faith was the right faith. And maybe he'd succeed one in 1,000 times. But what they would do, they would film that interaction. And then the argument that convinced one out of 1,000 suddenly gets broadcast to half a million people. And you converted 500 people instead of one person. 
to your way of thinking. And I wanted to apply that same standard or that same approach to um, combating anti-Semitism and strengthening the state of Israel. And so, yeah, that's, that's largely what I do. I create videos doing um, those type of interactions. So just to explain already to people that see so you go out to people to people in the public and start talking to them about Israel. So like, it, it can be, yeah, it can take a very. It can be at a political protest. It can be out on the streets. It could be in a religious setting. It could be an organized podcast. It 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 takes many different forms. We also produce educational videos where it's just me talking or to to a to a camera, but we engage people in different environments. Uh, it, the more high profile they are, the more likely is it it's organized. So we've debated some of the biggest neo-Nazis and um, jihadi types in the UK and hopefully come off all right in, in most of the cases. And um, we then distribute those videos uh, to the public to show how we debunk some of the lies that are spread or how we de-radicalize um, the various people who are hostile to, to, our, to our community. When you say we, who's we? Because I only see you on the videos. So there's often volunteers. Um, most of it, I, I, it, it's not a royal we, but I would say that 80%, <laughs> 80% of the work is me. So I, I could say me, <laughs> so most of it. But that wouldn't be fair on the people that do help and do contribute. Um, but we're a tiny, tiny um, organization. Um, we're largely volunteers. We have no budget. But despite that, we have over 200,000 followers and our videos have been viewed over 70 million times. So we're, um, with the very little resources we have, um, we're doing okay. How, yeah. how do you have no budget when you've got 70 million people? You get in front of seven, you've got 70 million views and 200,000. Are you guys hoping to make money from your podcast? Yeah, we yeah. yeah we're ready. We're ready starting. Um, wow, well they do better than me. I had a million <laughs> on YouTube last month and made seventy pounds. <laughs> I think your content's a bit more controversial than ours. Just yeah, you know. maybe, maybe it's easy <laughs> on your on your on your <laughs> It could be that. Um, what what sort of feedback do you get on these videos? Uh, maybe they give examples, and if you want, I can share those some clips with you afterwards if you want to insert in, um, into this, but. Yeah, the I'll give you an example of a positive video and a negative video. So a positive one would be, I was approached, and I, I titled this video, Jew Refuses to Convert to Islam. Mm. Um, I was approached by a Algerian Muslim who said, I tell you what, you can have peace. We'll give you peace on one condition. Okay, I'm all ears. I like peace. <laughs> and he is like, you pray to Allah, and then we'll we can have peace. And I said, uh, no, you pray to Allah and convert to you convert to Islam and pray to Allah, and you can have peace. And I said, but I already prayed to Allah. Jews believe La ilaha illallah. There is no god but God. Who are you to tell me to abandon my faith when your own prophet Muhammad had Jewish friends and he protected the right for them to pray and. His best, one of his best friends, one of the Sahaba, was a rabbi called Rabbi Mukhairah, who um, established the first Islamic waqf, so Islamic charity. Um, on top of that, when he would judge from the Torah, at one point he was sitting on the he was sitting on a pillow, and the Jews came in holding a sefer Torah, and he put the Torah on the pillow that he was sitting on. So if that's the respect that your prophet had for me and the protections that he gave for me to practice my faith, 
who are you to tell me to abandon Judaism? Who are you to tell me to abandon my faith? Every single comment under that, almost without fail, and there are thousands and thousands. You can go on YouTube and check them out. A Muslim saying, as a Muslim, the Jew is right. As a Muslim, the Jew knows more than a sheikh. As a Muslim, I'm learning so much from the Yehud, uh, Yehudi. And so that would be an example of a positive message. So what I've done, I've taken Islamic teachings and amplified the positive examples within that um, to demonstrate that Muslims should not be giving dawah to Jews. Muslims should be fine leaving Jews to, to worship Hashem in the way that we've been worshipping him since before the time of Muhammad, since before the advent of Islam. So that's positive, and that that helps, it connects to Muslims because most of the engagements they have with people in my domain, um, in the space operate, is hostile. It's people challenging them and insulting them. However, on the flip side of that, there are videos I've made on, say, um, the persecution of Jews under Islam, the jizya, which is a tax which is levied on the Al-Qitab, the, the people of the book, and I've explained how there was extreme persecution um, that the Jews um, suffered under Islam, because I believe if we are to have good relations with our neighbours, um, we we have to be, it has to start from a place of honesty. And that video, it will be just thousands of death threats. Um, how dare you insult us? How dare you? The Jews never had it better than under Islam. The golden age of Islam, Judaism was under Islam. And so what's really beautiful with YouTube, you can see who's leaving comments and what other comments. And on many of those comments, the same person who was praising the Yahudi was then in a, few, a couple of weeks later sending me death threats because he didn't like the next video he got recommended. Uh, but they're examples of the type of, of content that we would produce to to, to engage um, or to break out of the Jewish echo chamber. Do you ever get feedback in real life? Uh, yes. Does that remain uh, on, online? Um, complimentary and physical. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but most of our, because most of the interactions are um in person then yes you get direct feedback and if they don't like it, <laughs> <laughs> if they don't like it you, you'll know they don't like it exactly <laughs> well have you ever have, has that ever led to anything like that yeah really yeah many times well what's the worst have you have you been in like a proper brawl or something or no there's been several times where people have swung yeah yeah many wow. times um Ne never, um, thank God, been seriously hurt or even hurt at all. Baruch <laughs> <laughs> Hashem. Thank God um, it's not been as bad as it could be. But one of the places I frequent is Speaker's Corner, which is a place in London where you have free speech every Sunday. And people can go there and speak about whatever they want. It just so happens most of the people that go there are just speaking about Jews. So when a Jew turns up, they get really excited. Um, and so it, it's largely religious conversations and Christians and Muslims um, trying to prove which religion is the right religion, um, often bringing the Jewish people and Israel into the conversation. And so uh, this place is watched all over the world. So videos I filmed there that other people have filmed of me, they're not even my own videos, have been viewed millions of times. It's a, it's a very very large audience there's like there's maybe 300 people go there on a sunday but the real audience is the millions of people that will watch the videos that are uploaded every single week uh there was recently a terror attack there 
um, a Christian preacher was stabbed in the face. Um, thankfully, it def- the knife deflected off her umbrella and hit just like scratched her, sliced her face rather than doing any serious damage. She's the most hated person in Speaker's Corner. There's maybe one other Christian preacher. And then just because I'm advocating for Israel, I'm probably third after that. So there's a hierarchy of people who are despised there. And she's a target. Two weeks ago, a terrorist was jailed for, certainly convicted for, I don't know if the sentence, he's been sentenced yet, uh, for purchasing a gun or taking £5,000 to purchase a gun to go to Speaker's Corner to kill that same preacher. If I was there, I would also have a target on my back. So that's like the, the negatives, the positive things. Like I've gone on holiday to foreign countries and border controls. Oh, wait, 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 wait. The negative <laughs> is that you almost get killed. You're just slowly <laughs> glossing. The negative is that you almost get killed. You're slowly glossing over that. It's, that's quite a big problem. I mean, I'm the almost almost being killed. There, are, there is the potential for people. <laughs> that I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank God I've just had um, the, the hot-headed um, Islamists <laughs> look at me, which is not that bad. This podcast is sponsored by Iceberg. Iceberg is an SEO company unlike any other. Most SEO companies tie you into a six months highly priced contract, but Iceberg is different. Iceberg has no contract, has amazing customer service. You can contact them anytime, any day, and they'll be there for you. They actually get results and they don't charge a ridiculous amount. In fact, they'll be any genuine quote you get by 20%. So, if you want to increase website visibility and Google rankings to generate more inquiries, get in touch with Iceberg now. Contact them with the link in the description. When when you are when you talk to these, they're probably more extreme people within the religion. Do, does your mindset against these religions ever get a bit skewed? Because the majority of people, I imagine, are just peaceful, calm. They don't really mind. But these people that go to these sort of events are probably more extreme. So, how's your mindset towards towards? So- Every time it's something you truthfully you have to constantly reflect on. It would be very, very easy to become quite twisted inside and look upon certain communities as being hostile. But in reality, as you as you rightfully illustrated, the overwhelming majority of Christians and Muslims are very, very, very decent people. And the other thing I would say, I, I sincerely believe that most of this comes from how they interpret their faith. I think all of the Abrahamic faiths can be taken to a good place or a dark place. And what I mean by that is scripture is very, very easy to interpret whichever way you want. And so if a devout Muslim reads the Quran, reads about giving sadaqah, looking after the widow and the orphan and leading a, a, a righteous life, they can find that and easily live that lifestyle inspired by the teachings from their own faith. In the same way that a Christian or a Jew can look at the Old Testament and twist the words, uh, twist the Torah, look at Amalek, look at these things and try and project that and turn it into something sinister, when in reality our faith is one which has a history of compassion. There's no record of these this type of extremism, but there have been individuals that have twisted our faith, that have twisted, twisted Christianity. But the way I kind of view it is that anyone who's serious about their, their religion, you go to their house, you'll see shelves filled with books, on how to be a decent person. As a, a large part of most of the major faiths is how to lead a good life and have good relations with the rest of humanity. And so, yeah, um, 
when I do encounter these uh, more extreme characters, I just have to remind myself that the overwhelming majority of people that I know that I encounter are nothing like these people. The people I'm debating are the are the ISIS types, are the white supremacists, are the the worst of the these communities, and they're often driven by ego. And um, so it's it's a very toxic combination of wanting to debate and win a debate, um, fueled with often quite extreme ideologies. So I've got so many questions from that. It's, it's all very interesting. This. Uh, so the first question is: Do you ever do this? Do debates with extremist Jews? The second question is, or well, let's get you just listen them yeah, all let's out. Yeah, them all out here. <laughs> I hope you've, right got good, down. hope you've got good memory. The, the second question is, um, do you think that when you have these debates with people, is it it's just based on ego? Is it not based on log- some logic as well? So there aren't many extremist views, Jews, that I would choose to publicly, publicly debate. And the reason for that is... There are many, many Jews shining, sorry, there are many, many people shining spotlights on our community to try and portray us in a negative light. And I often think it would be an irresponsible platform. Um, It would be irresponsible of me to platform people um, that would, because I've got such a large um, non-Jewish audience, to misrepresent what our community stands for. You do that for other religions. um, Sorry, you do that for other religions? Um, I do do that because the people I'm engaging are the people that pose a threat to my community, to our community, and that's why I do it. Um, With Jews that are, let's say, extremist Jews within our community, I will platform them and I will challenge their views, um, but it's done in a very, very different way because the purpose of my channel is to or the purpose of our organization is to try and create a safer environment. And that could, in some instances, lead to more danger for our community. That said, we've had far-right Jews. and We've platformed and challenged their views. We've had... I'm much more likely to engage with extreme... Not extreme as in violent or far-right, because the, the truthfully most of them wouldn't um, engage us anyway. Um, it's that they've got nothing to gain from it. Um, so they're less likely to to, to join our platform, but or to, to, to come on our platform. But we're very, we engage groups like Nature Carter, um, anti-Zionists. We're, we're much more likely to engage Jews on anti-Zionism um, because I, I feel that is a much more needed message, at least from my perspective, is to challenge some of the um, hostility that Jews fa- uh, that Israel faces from within our own community in a loving way. Um, but yeah, we, we will and do engage the far right, but not as frequently as Islamists or um, neo- uh, yeah, neo-Nazis and the likes. Sorry, yeah. I'm trying to avoid these words so it doesn't affect your monetization. But <laughs> it's quite I'll hard. Say, it's well, spit them out. Spit them out. No, we'll... say, say whatever you want. I mean, I would actually say back to what you're saying. No, I definitely understand what you're saying. The issue is that extremists on all sides pose a huge threat to everyone. Like we, like you say, most people are moderate. Most people really aren't moderate, but there are, there are extremists on all sides, especially when you've got these Abrahamic uh, religions where you've got scriptures that can be looked at in different ways and understood in different ways. 
you will have extremists on all sides from there. So I would think all of those extremists pose a deep threat. I mean, you said you named one or two, like Nintendo Carter, which you, you were talking to on different extremists, but I, I would think that applies to everyone, not just people that aren't Jewish. So you said it applies to everyone in what way? So that extremists on all religions are, are, are like pose a deep threat to everyone. I, I I sincerely agree. I just think yeah. I have to be responsible with the messages that we broadcast because we're as we're combating anti-Semitism, we don't want to be um creating anti-Semitism because I I, I think I think certainly within Anglo Jewry, there is no far right um Jewish like there's like you will really struggle to find far right Jews in the UK. I think in Israel it's different, but there are so many people publicized like that shining a spotlight on Israel's far right. You just need to turn on Al Jazeera, any of these um, anti-Israel um, media outlets, and you're inundated with that messaging. That we steer clear of that. Um, but yeah, we we don't agree with far right um, politics, and we challenge it whether it's coming from the Jewish or the non-Jewish community. And so <laughs> you say a lot of these people you debate with. Uh, they're based on emotion and ego. Is that really the case? There's not a lot of people that are based on In a debate, I think ego plays a huge part. Um, And I'm not immune to that either. I'm not going to pretend I go in there as completely ego. (laughs) I don't feel any pressure to win. If someone puts a camera on you and you're in a debating environment, and you are representing a community, I, I think ego plays a, a role in that. And it, it shouldn't. It, ideally, it wouldn't. And so I think if you take an environment like Speaker's Corner, which was um, one of the places I was describing with the, the hundreds of speakers, uh, that is hugely driven by ego. The people go there knowing that they will produce content if they win a debate and if they get a Ben Shapiro gotcha moment, <laughs> it will be viewed by millions of people. And they, they, that, that it's a real problem. I've, I've been going there for over a decade before the cameras came out. Every single person in that environment, that park, was my best friend. The cameras came out about um, seven, eight years ago, and it changed. Then it created hostility, and everybody were it was ad- much more adversary, uh, adversarial. And so, I think it depends um, on the context as to whether egos. Involved, I think everybody or most people that do this are motivated by conviction. But I do think if you're in a combative type setting where it's either a religion against a religion, politi- political theory against another political theory, it can be quite hostile. And it's, but it's not representative of any of the faiths or any of the political creeds that that we're discussing. It's just the nature of these type of environments. So I actually find all of this very, very interesting. I uh, for for a while I watched a lot of debates between let's say Jews and Muslims, uh, atheists and Jews, or atheists and Muslims. And he, like Richard Dawkins, for example, he was good at. He, do you know who he is? Richard Dawkins. Yeah, yes, I yes. hope so. Yeah, yeah. Um, he went on Piers Morgan. I don't know if you saw that, but he, but it was very. He's very interesting. I mean, because he's also got like he'll also be very critical um, of you in a debate. So it's, it's entertaining as well as. Interesting. There is that line where it's, where it's entertaining, interesting, and you want it to match because you don't want it to be too entertaining because you're not actually giving any information. You don't want it to be too interesting, then it's really boring. 
So when I watch a debate, sometimes you're not sure where the lines are. Do you ever feel like when you do this, it becomes too entertaining and you're just like making fun of each other without actually? I think it's an interesting comment. I found myself as the years gone by being more theatrical with how I communicate in these debates, knowing that if I can get a one-minute clip, which has a lot of drama, it's going to do much better than a 30-minute monologue about yeah. the history of the 1973. Well, so from, from my perspective, um, I participate in that. Um, it, it, I, I think there's different mediums are are better um, served for conveying information. So we make many, when the, when there's a conflict, we'll put out lots of um, educational videos explaining, I say like when Sheikh Jarrah or Silwan or any of these um, contentious um, areas in Jerusalem that are disputed, um, we'll put out a um, information pack on that a video, a video filled with um, rich information. And that's not, that's presented in a way where it's going to be digested um by the by the viewer whereas if it's a debate people they go to the debate as much for the drama as for the education yes you have to find something new to say every time just like if you're a rabbi giving a shiur you have to you have to find something new to say to keep the 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 crowd or the audience entertained but the more theatrical you are um or the more engaging you are the the more drama there is the more tension conflict uh, the the more the audience will stick and watch, and then you'll be able to to get your message across. And um, because the longer they watch, the more chance you have of winning them over to your your cause. Do you think that's a, the best way of getting your message across, though? Because it reaches um, more people, but you're not especially educating them in the best way. Um, so it depends what the the purpose is. Um, so most of my videos going into the the the. Uh, projecting out to, to either Christian or Muslim communities, uh, Muslim community is very much about presenting the a face to Jews or the Judaism that they're not familiar with. It's not because I engage with Muslims um, in a respectful way and lean quite heavily on Islamic sources. And it's the same with Christianity, or even if I'm debating the far right or black Hebrew Israelites, um, where I'm the, the, it's a, it's not so much about, it's as much about PR and presenting a face to the Jewish people that they've never experienced. I'll give you a real example because it's a bit theoretical. I remember once I was giving a talk um, or a debate at Speaker's Corner, and at the end of it, a 15-year-old kid walked up to me. And he said, look, sir, I'm from Kuwait. In my country, we're literally taught Jews are aggressive and you have horns. I can see after engaging, listening to, to you talk, that that's just not the case. It, like We've been lied to. We have so much in common, and it's a shame that more people in my country can't experience what I've just experienced. And that was just one anecdote from a 15-year-old person. Now, it's not because I, like, uh, bombarded him with facts and logic. And it was, no, I engaged in a personal way, a respectful way. I shared commonalities between our faith. And, and I did so in a proud way. I'll give you an even better example, actually. There's a convicted jihadi. Um, his name is Abdul Hakim. 
And he was responsible for the London Sharia patrols. So a few years ago, if you walked past um, a certain mosque or wandered into a certain neighborhood, dressed immodestly or drinking alcohol, this guy and his thugs would come up to you and tell you, this is a Muslim neighborhood, you need to leave. Uh, it made the headlines. They were jailed, him and another Islamist called jo- um, Justin Horner. He's also connected to Curran Butt, who was the London Bridge terrorist. He was in a documentary with him called The Jihadis Next Door. He's a supporter of, uh, well, he's a Talmud of Anjim Chowdhury, who's radicalized more terrorists in this country than anyone else. So when it comes to Islamists, jihadis, this guy's about as extreme as you can get. And I've debated him several times. And I noticed on a debate with me and another very prominent Muslim preacher called Muhammad Hijab, underneath this guy had left the comment, and I hope I remember it correctly, but it was something like, Joseph, I never thought I would say this, but Joseph has more al walawalbara, which means like love and hatred for the sake of Hashem, for the sake of Allah, um, than the Muslims. He loves his people, and so he should. How can we expect anything else from him? So here's someone who is a convicted jihadi commenting on another Muslim's video that he respects me. Why? Because I'm proud and unapologetically Jewish. I'm proud of my people, proud of our nation state. And I think people, but he's he'd never encountered, he would have never spoken to any Jew before speaking to me. And he's on the far extreme, like we're talking about far right, he's far, as far right as you can get. And yet here he is praising the, the his his so-called enemy because I was um, portrayed Judaism and the Jewish people in a proud but positive light. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. I spoke for a fair bit there. Uh, to no, be honest, I forgot some of the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that answers it really well. So I was just wondering, you've mentioned all of you meant all these different religions, Muslim, Christianity, and you've said some words that I don't understand from I think the Quran. Um have have you studied uh, both the religions, Muslim and Christianity before? Yeah, it sounds like it. Islam, Christianity, um far right, so Nazism, Strasserism, far left is like but anything with an ism in, um, which uses um, <laughs> enemies of ours, I've studied it. Why? Um, why? Um, because I think if you are to win um, people over, you have to be able to empathize and understand where they're empathize with and understand where they're coming from. When you speak to to disenfranchised um, white supremacists, young white youth from working class communities in the UK, if I'm not able to understand what's causing them to be so twisted and and causing them so much pain, if I'm not able to understand the 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 political solutions they see to their problems, I'm not able to challenge them. So I think it's very important for at least me, but anyone who does want to engage um, with people who are hostile to our our people, is to we we have to be able to understand where they're coming from. I also think it's just practical as well. There's like billion, we're 15 million in the world and there's billions of other people. We're a minority, we live amongst a much larger majority it's that on a personal level i think it's sensible to to um study about other cultures and learn about them particularly if you are then going to try and change um their minds are you fed up constantly grappling with the tax return 
but look no further. Kangaf accountants have never made it easier to manage your HMRC self-assessment. You will get a tailored service that will save you hours of your time and make sure you never miss that dreaded deadline again. So what are you waiting for? Head over to kangafltd.com. That's C-A-N-G-A-F-L-T-D.com. Or click the link in the description to see more. I think, no, I think it's a really great thing. I mean, I think it's, a lot of people, I think we should teach it um, about other religions and schools because, like I said, practically it's very good because... You understand why your arguments are so good. You understand why other people's arguments aren't as good, just on all levels, really. And then you've got more logic and understanding of why you do things. Do you do you agree? Do you think you, you do you think we should teach other, teach people as a general rule about it? I think at the right age, yes, I think. Um, yeah, at the right age, yeah, we need to include that. Well, otherwise, people get annoyed. Us. <laughs> more that. Uh, yes, I think it depends on the intention of learning that religion. So when I'm reading about Islam, I'm not reading the Quran or the Hadith because I think it's a myth, it's truth. I'm reading it because two billion people believe that this is truth. And... But if that tradition has, and it has historically been used to persecute our people, it's important to understand why that is. But more importantly, it's important to then understand what, how we can engage with people who hold those views. And I think one of the most idiotic things I see people who campaign against anti-Semitism doing is they attack Islam or they attack Christianity one, I think it's like, it's foolish because there is so much good that can come from these religions. But more, well, it's also suicidal. It's like, why would you pick a fight with billions of people? Why would you insult billions of people? It would be much more worthwhile to shine a spotlight on the positive teachings and the billions of good people who live good lives and uh, uh, in accordance with these traditions shine the spotlight on them rather than the negative challenge the negatives and combat them but it's much better in my experience to combat them from within their tradition because they don't recognize ours that if they did they'd either be no higher jewish and so there's it's no point going to our scripture to show them a good moral teaching of what hillel said or because they don't follow hillel they don't follow Shammai. they follow um yeah they follow various different and um, religious leaders from within their own communities how did you get into this? Because it's really, really interesting. I mean, they, they, I've watched quite a few of your videos, and they did. They, they're very interesting to watch, and it's like I said, it's educational as well as being entertaining. Uh, it's not like I wouldn't say this is a normal. I mean, first of all, being a YouTuber is slight, right? Like we both recognize that it's slightly out of the norm already. But then to do what you do as well, it's like a quite, uh, quite a bit out of the norm. How did you get into that? So I grew up. I mentioned before I came from the north of England. Um, my parents um, left Manchester and London to, to live the good life and they moved to working class community. Um, I didn't grow up, we weren't religious. Um, we were actually, my, my, my although descent from rabbis, uh, they abandoned it for communism. And so I was raised in a very left-wing household and was raised on Marx and Engels. Um, and I was campaigning against fascism from a very young age. Uh, so... Uh, I were, we used to call them anti-fascists back in the day, but there were nothing like anti-fascists today. We just didn't like the BNP or the National Front. And when I came to London, I realised there was an opportunity to improve relations between Jews 
and Muslims. I experienced when I first moved um, moved to Northwest London, I encountered Jews who harbored prejudices against Muslims or Arabs. And similarly, I met Muslims that harbored real prejudices against the Jewish people. And I thought a way to um, overcome this pre- these these uh, these prejudices would be to promote the commonalities between the two faiths. So Islam has so much, because it's based largely on our tradition, I think almost any Islamic practice you will find in Judaism from their, their speech. So whenever you speak to a, a da'i, they will tell you, um, may Allah guide you to the straight path. Now, if you read Pirkei Avot, we were, saying, <laughs> we were talking about the straight path long before Muhammad came along. Um, within our tradition, um, we would go on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Um, we, it was a Hag a festival. They would go on Hajj on pilgrimage to Mecca. We would face Jerusalem. They used to face Jerusalem. Then they switched and now face Mecca when they pray. Um, like even the greetings, Assalamu alaikum, Shalom alaikum. Is a, a, and I thought, maybe somewhat naively, if only people knew how similar our religions were we we just all get along now that put me in um in contact in quite a serious way with the muslim community and i realized actually for me i think a bigger focus of mine because while that is definitely islamophobia and muslim bigotry within our community i think it's more fringe whereas there is a real problem um, particularly outside of the UK, with anti-Semitism within the, the Muslim community, within the Ummah. And so I then launched an initiative called the Campaign Against Anti-Semitism. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a, a yeah, yeah. well-established organization. Now. Famous, yeah. And so I switched from um, interfaith to campaigning against anti-Semitism. I founded that organization. And then in 2014, the, the Gaza war broke out. And anti-Semitism was everywhere. And what persisted, uh, then the, the, the war stopped and the anti-Semitism went away. During the war, it was like Hamas, Hamas, Jews, the gas, Hitler was right, the worst anti-Semitic things, and they were everywhere. Then the, as soon as the conflict died down, they all went away. But what persisted was, I don't hate Jews, I just hate Israelis. I don't hate Judaism, I just hate Zionism. And I realized that anti-Zionism was the acceptable face of anti-Semitism in our society. And I decided that for me, I wanted to devote my um, time to trying to combat that major um, form of anti-Semitism. And so I launched the Israel Advocacy Movement. And since then, I've been doing this. Well, what's in the future for the Israel Advocacy Advocacy Movement? Wait, what's (laughs) there in your mug? I like that mug. Bring the mug back. (laughs) That's a copy of Ben Shapiro, isn't it? Um, I wasn't at the time, but then it found out it wasn't. Not only that is, um, I don't know if you know the Mossad IL on, um, what do you call it on Twitter? You should all follow him as far them. They're a fantastic account. They also they had the exact same mug, and it was anti BDS tears. So like everyone's making the same <laughs> mug, and I think none of us. Um, so maybe maybe we'd see Ben Shapiro and some limonene being influenced, but um, yeah, <laughs> that's um, hilarious. Yes. Uh, just anyway, just uh, casually on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to my question. So, what's in the future for the Israel advocacy movement? Are you trying to grow it? Are you trying to get more people involved? So, truthfully, one of the biggest challenges we face is censorship. 
Um, we're constantly getting suppressed by the algorithms. And so one of the big things we're doing, we're going to pivot and create an educational arm as well, because, because there's so much anti-Semitism on the in the videos that we share. I think YouTube thinks we're like the David Duke, like the worst neo-Nazis on their platform because we're constantly getting flagged for, for hate crimes. And then we have to end a huge dialogues with their solicitors and their, not the solicitors, sorry, their um, community standards team to try and get our video put back or at the very least um, and remove the community strikes. And so I think splitting the, the content that we're making into educational and then into more campaigning but and what's that mean practically so that means practically so non-controversial videos which are there to educate um so instead of sharing a video of me or one of the activists debating a nazi we could be producing a video on um let's say the christian origins of political zionism in the uk um uh, no one knows it by the way the anglo-protestants from this country um, did a huge, huge service to the Jewish community back in the day. They were hardcore Zionists, and no one realizes this. We're sitting in the UK today because in the 16th and 17th century, a fringe of Christian um, Protestants thought it would be great if they admitted the Jews to the UK so that we could sail from the UK in ships to Israel and liberate Israel from the Ottomans. <laughs> and so like they were like the proto-Zionists. And from there, Oliver Cromwell admitted us into the country. And then downstream of that came all like the, the political Zionists, um, Weizmann, et cetera, who, who were in the UK. But, so, but videos like that, educating people with detailed information about Zionism um, and, and Israel in general, how the, from the history to how to defend to um, debunking many of the myths that surround the, the state of Israel. But they're not going to do as well. It doesn't sound as entertaining. It, 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 yeah, it won't, but it'll probably be, be able to fund everything else because it will be much more uh, palatable. <laughs> but also, you would be surprised. Many of the educational videos we get are viewed by hundreds of thousands of people. Oh, really? Um, that interesting. So, uh, it, it, usually, if it's relating to a conflict or debunking one of the many myths that are told about Israel. So, that, so yeah, educational doesn't have to be like a... A dry history class it can be it's usually if, if we wanted to be successful tied to something relevant and current oh, well that's quite interesting yeah. you mentioned about myths about israel do you want to so i mean as jewish people the jewish people love myths about other religions and you seem you, i mean you are quite knowledgeable about other religions do you want to break some myths about other religions and then about uh, by myths what do you uh, myths that people have about other religions like that jews have about other religions yeah um I think I've ever been asked to do that. And so so is this negative stereotypes that we potentially hold about other communities or Yeah. Well what do we believe that you, isn't necessarily true? I'll let you like the religious text. Uh, understand that understand the question how you understand and want to understand it. <laughs> so, so did I understand the question? I want to make sure I, <laughs> I think you did, yeah. I think yeah. You did. Maybe maybe do it the other way around. Maybe you tell me some of the um negative or the myths that you believe you've encountered or you maybe hold 
And I'll see if I have an answer. I might not, because my speciality is debunking out. But we have four numbers under our hats. No, no, but about other, but, about other religions. You mean about other religions? Okay, well, what, about, what? But the ones about us, I mean, yeah, the, the, that's pretty easy to debunk the, the whole one. I'm glad that you, you came upon debunking that one. Uh, you mean the myths that they hold about us? So okay. most of the myths we focus are about, I'm confused, which one? Yeah, wait, are you? So, so Aaron, do you have any, do you have any myths? Uh, people hold against other religions like Islam and Christianity. What myths do people hold? I guess it's not. There's not so much really myths. Sure. They just. It's just. There's not that much information. They, a lot of people aren't knowledgeable about it. So you, you're quite knowledgeable about it, which is very good. And practically, and when you, especially in your job and what you're trying to do, you you need to. see so it's very good. But most people they're not knowledgeable in any sense about other religions or. I think one of the, the well, how I would say the, the most pervasive myth, and it goes both ways, um, that we as Jews have of other faiths is that they are either entirely oppressive towards us and have a history of incredible persecution, um, or the other, uh, the opposite. They were absolute pillars of morality, which just like we've never had it so good. And the truth is in between the two. So under Islam, you have something called the Caliphate, which is um, is, is um, an Islamic empire, effectively. It's a large period of land in which you have a variety of people living under it. They have to be people of the book, so Christian Jews or Sabians. Um, I don't know what Sabians are. Um, but basically, they have to be monotheist or Abrahamic, let's say, because Muslims wouldn't see Christians as as um, monotheist in most instances. Um, and there were caliphates that were incredibly um, harsh to the Jews. Uh, they ethnically cleansed us. They levied, levied incredible taxes. If our synagogues fell into disrepair, we weren't allowed to build them. Um, the Cairo Geniza is filled with really rich... The Cairo Geniza was a collection of mundane to holy writings that were written um, around a a thousand years ago in Egypt. And they give us an insight into what life was like for Jews living under the caliphates of that period. And it wasn't great. There were incredible taxes levied on us. It was really, really harsh conditions. And so and we we have the similar view of Christianity, that there was just crusades, inquisitions, which ultimately led to the Shoah and the, the the genocide of millions of our people. But there were also Christian kingdoms which were incredible. They opened their, their borders to us, their doors to us. We were given refuge there. They protected us. We were able to achieve prominent positions within their societies. And so it's the same with Islam. It just depended on which empire, kingdom, or caliphate we were living under as to whether we were persecuted or whether we did fared well. And so, yeah, I'd say one of the biggest myths is that it was either entirely terrible or entirely positive. In terms of myths that people say about us, most of the debunking I do focuses on the state of Israel because I don't really debate. I don't like debating religion so much. I like because I'm happy for people to believe whatever they believe. They believe in Christianity, Mazel Tov. If they believe in Islam, Mazel Tov, I'm happy for you. You don't need to be Jewish. Um, Just be good. Um... And so most of what you experience in the Israel-Palestine discourse is projections. So almost everything that Israel accused of is a projection of what they are actually guilty of. So I'll give you a few examples. Israel is an apartheid state. Well, let's look at the facts. Israel 
has 2 million Arabs. Those Arabs have complete equality. Many of the, the, the highest performing religious group in Israel are Christian Arabs. Arab judges have sent Jewish prime minister and a Jewish president to jail. In contrast, there is not one Jewish Palestinian because the Palestinian National Authority has a racist law which bans Jews from citizenship, Article 6 of its national charter. If an Arab sells their house to a Jew, they risk death or jail. And so like, this is what a real apartheid looks like, whereas Israel is accused of being an apartheid. Um, Israel is accused of being a colonial project. But if you look at a colonial project, a colonial project would be where you have a metropole, so a, a center from which a people go out and colonize a place they're alien to. So when the Europeans went to America, they hadn't, they'd never been, they'd never said put in America before. And so they named the places after the metropole. So New York, New England, New Jersey. They imported a foreign culture, a foreign language that had never been spoken in that land before. When the Jews returned to Israel, and some of them had never left, they resurrected or brought with them, not resurrected, they brought with them the ancestral tongue of that land. They didn't call the cities New Odessa, um, New um, Lodge. They they called it after the biblical names of these sites. Bet El, Yerushalayim, the Hebrew names. When, in contrast, so where's where's the projection here? The Arabs themselves, the Palestinians, in 637 marched from Arabia to Jerusalem and conquered the land. And they imported a foreign religion, a foreign tongue, Arabic. They, The places that they named were named after all places. Everyone's heard of Ramallah. Ramallah um, used to be called Um Allah. Before it was called Um Allah, it was called Beit Allah. Before it was called Beit Allah, it was called Beit El. And so you can see in the very place names, they hint at the Jewish history, the Jewish ancestry of the, uh, of the, the very land that they're, they're claiming that we're colonizing. And so... If you throw out any of the accusations that are levied in Israel, nine times against Israel, nine times out of ten, it's actually a projection, and the inverse is true. Yeah, do you have, do you have any more questions? Not really. I mean, I thought it was very, very interesting, yes. uh, learning a lot about it. I do think a lot of the things you're saying has to be more mainstream in, within all religions, because like, you're talking to more, more extremists, but that sort of conversation we're having with different people from different perspectives and just that sort of information that you're talking about, understanding other religions, should be more mainstream, and more people should be doing it. So it's a good thing that you're doing. No, no and, and that's what YouTube's very good at. You're, um, hopefully, you're already experiencing it. So if it doesn't demonetize you, yeah, even if it demonetizes you, I'm not getting The main thing doesn't reach a lot of people, <laughs> and YouTube is more powerful than anything else for breaking out of the echo chamber. Like our top um, countries that watch us are. Um, like Middle Eastern, um, South Asian. And when you, I don't know if you've been on your YouTube. So you say that again? You film them in London and they're viewed all the way from there. Exactly. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. But I'd be really intrigued if we looked, if we compared each other's YouTube analytics, it tells you what are the most searched for keywords for people who watch your video 
My mm. number one keyword, I kid you not, is how do I convert to Islam? Really? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's definitely the worst out of person to That's <laughs> <laughs> actually really funny. So now we know you know you know what to title your videos to get more videos. <laughs> so you you joke. I actually um I, I made one video as um called Jewish Shahada um where which is basically they have a concept in Islam called the Shahada and if you take it you become a Muslim and it's La ilaha illallah which is there's no god but God and then they would say Muhammad's his messenger and so so instead I flipped it and said Musa Rasulullah which means and Moses is his messenger. And so I made a video about that again, reached I think or maybe a hundred thousand people just because of the clickbaity title. Um, <laughs> but the whole purpose of that video was to show Muslims that how similar we are. We basically, while we don't accept all their prophets, they yeah. accept all of ours. And when it comes to Tawheed or monotheism, um, we have a very, very similar construct or concept. And yeah, so it. it I agree. It's good to, to reach out. To... Just one very last question, very very quick question. Um, I, I don't think I'm joking. It's not going to be a quick question. Uh, so <laughs> I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and they mentioned about Islam, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, th- this question isn't the first time I've heard this one. I'm sure it's not the first time you've heard this one. A lot of people repeat this about Islam. They say, okay, well, not, remember, I don't agree with this, but not all terror, not all. Uh, well, so not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslim. And they they cite uh, uh, they cite something from uh, the Quran that says that you have to blow yourself that you should blow yourself up. I don't know. I, I, would you like to explain that and just explain what that really so, is? So yeah, so yeah, it's uh, I think when you engage in the type of work that I do, and now that yeah that you're doing today, where you have a platform and you're speaking to people. Honesty is really important. And it's factually incorrect to say that all terrorists are Muslims because it's no, simply agree, not yeah, true. No. There are so many terrorist organizations it's that are not Muslim. There, I, said um, that I said I don't agree with that. And so <laughs> someone else. I mean, within within this country, um, we've had um so dissident Irish, so the IRA, the provisional IRA, just as an example of Christian terrorism within this country. Um, within our own community, we had someone like Baruch Goldstein who went into Maratha Machpela, um, the cave of the patriarchs in Hebron, and murdered 29 Muslims while they were praying, including little children. For me, there's no justification of that. Anyone who tries justifying that in the comments, they have a word. Um, it's we, like any other community, are susceptible to terrorism. I think, however, in the name of honesty and truth statistically there are far more um muslim or islamist terrorists today than there are jewish or christian terrorists but to say that all terrorists are muslim is is dumb is there something in the quran that says that it's that you should be murdering people or no not that i because i've heard there's a misinterpretation uh, of a phrase that people extremist as i said before like islam like judaism or like any other faith can be taken to a good place or bad place so a muslim can read the quran and read there are wars law rules of engagement in all islam like judaism is a civilizational um creed it's not a faith christianity is a faith it's a declaration of faith but then there's very little laws it's just do you believe in this person is the son of god yes no if you do, then you're a Christian. 
Islam and Judaism, Islam has the Sharia, we have um, Halakha, and the, this is a legal system to govern an entire society. Within those, you will have rules of engagement, rules for, for, for what to do in times of war. And so you can be a Muslim that reads those rules and says, look, it's forbidden in war to kill the women, the children. It's forbidden to even cut down a tree. And that's a legitimate reading of Islam. If you listen to the khutbah, the, the uh, um, a Shia, a Friday Shia um, talk by a Hamas preacher in Gaza, they will go to those same texts and they will focus on things like strike the neck of the disbeliever. Now, uh, um, most Muslims in the UK would say that was talking about a war between Muslims and um, non-Muslims back at the time of Muhammad. It's not applicable today in the same way that we would, that you would have read about the Midianite or the Amalekite. You wouldn't. Um, it's not relevant to today from thousands of years ago. But in both those instances, somebody can look at those verses and try to apply them today. And that's precisely what Islamists do. Um, Islam, Daesh, Al-Shah, all of these different terrorist organizations that are very well known, they do have scriptural basis for what they're doing in the same way that those Muslims that oppose them have scriptural basis for what they're doing and the same way that you could do the same with Judaism or Christianity or any other faith. I hope that answers the question. <laughs> and yeah, answer. It really does. It really does. Yeah, that, that was a really good podcast. I learned it a lot. That was really interesting. Thank, no, you thank you.